Welcome aboard, everyone. Charles Waskowitz here. Thanks for joining me. Michael D. Shaw is with us, as is his habit every Wednesday afternoon here. Mike, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure. You know, Mike, I, my concern today is actually pretty serious. And um, I know this may sound far-fetched to say this in conventional times, uh, but given everything we've been through this year so far, and even through the past four years, I don't think it's far-fetched at all. And I think that there is a real danger that is a brew right now in this country that we're going to see a military coup d'etat in, um, at this election time. Um, I think that you can already see the seeds of it. You can see um, comments being made by, um, by people like Hillary and, and them that they're going to have the military is going to have to escort President Trump off the premises if he's not elected. Um, and you see uh, people like um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this guy Milley, and, um, and others um, uh, saying, making comments that indicate that, um, you know, they're not going to get involved if there is a military disturbance or if there's an agitation at the election, that they don't want to be political and this kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I do think that um, that combined with the um, what I would call a conspiracy, and that is the, um, the, the, the mailing out of hundreds of thousands of unsolicited um, ballots to people who may or may not exist, all in various states, and, which is something that's going to be contested. around a team of our military administration and, and probably a whole swarm of lawyers who are going to descend on the states at the time on election day to, um, to fight any state where there's anything contested. I think, there's going to, I think this is the makings of a coup d'etat. I think that they may drag it out until January 20th. I think we talked about this. The Constitution says that if by January 20th, Inauguration Day, if there is not a president that's been elected by the House of, uh, by the Electoral College, then the Speaker of the House becomes President of the United States, and we know who that is. <laughs> and I, I, I really do think that this is a, this is, we're being set up for this. What do you think? Uh, you know, I understand you have reasons to feel this way. I think though that this is just an extreme thing that's been ginned up by the other side because they really have nothing else. Um, I, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think the people in charge of the military have the stomach to do anything like this. Uh, not that I'm saying they should. So I think that they're really trying everything they can. But sooner or later, it's going to all come crashing down. They can't keep hiding Joe Biden. I personally think that the election won't be close enough for any of these techniques to work. And they're just going to have to fold up their tent and go away. And then <clears throat> upon the reelection, I hope, of Trump, then he could, you know, he's got nothing to lose at this point. He could really start quashing these riots. Oh, yeah, I think he will the next day. But yeah. 
but as you say, and I think you, you put your finger on this, it's going to have to be such a convincing victory. It's going to have to be a mandate type of victory for him to be able to do that. Because if you have any of these states where it's very close, then they're going to go right immediately into, um, you know, the, the lawyers are going to descend. You know, there, there was almost a trial run in, um, in, in 1991 with the, uh, remember the Florida recount. That's going to happen in probably, that could happen in a half a dozen states, Florida being one of them, Michigan being another one where you have a very, you know, this really corrupt governor, um, and you've got a, a rotten series of precincts in Detroit, which actually voted for Obama 101%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have other states like this, maybe Missouri, maybe a few others, where you've got corrupt political machines running the big cities who are going to do all kinds of incredible things. California, maybe that's a lost cause. But the point is that, you know, there'll be enough of these contested states that I think that, that, that they could pull this off. And, uh, you know, it's uh, the other thing recently, I, I'm sure you noticed this, to try to address the problem of Biden's incoherence. And he's, he's obviously in, in dementia. I mean, I think that he's not functional. I mean, he's, he's, he, he barely, I mean, he wanders. Is that they're now saying that it's going to be a Harris-Biden administration. I'm sure you've noticed, you've heard about that. Well, right? she, she even called it a Harris administration. She did. And I don't think that's a mistake. I mean, they're saying, oh, this is a... This is a slip up. No, they, they don't make slip ups like that. And and that Biden himself said it during um, his a, a talk yesterday where he referred to it as the Harris Biden administration. So I think that what they're doing is they're letting it be known that this is, you know, this is how they answer this problem. Biden is going to be the figurehead, something we already knew anyway. And that she'll be the president. And it's, you know, it's, it's an outrage because who the hell is she? I mean, she got appointed because by, you know, I mean, she was you know, the, the, beside the point. But the fact is that, that I think that's how they're trying to float this thing. Everyone knows that Biden is not competent and they're letting it be known that that's how they're going to address it. Yeah, well, I mean, what else do they have? It's uh, at some point, it, it, you can't hide this anymore. So, so I guess what you're saying is, well, right, their technique now is, hey, just kidding. You know, we, we knew the guy was an imbecile, and, and this is what we're, we're, we're going to put her in front. Right. She's uh, going to be the, the actual president. They're installing her, and that Biden will just be there. You know, as she said, um, the Harris administration with Joe Biden as president is, the, is how she put it. Well, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that. But Well, I mean, I think that that, that is what it'll come to if they win. And um, look. This country has seen, you know, the virtual coup d'etat since Trump took office. We now, you know, there's now evidence coming out, and I hope it continues to come out, that the Mueller thugs knew from day one that Trump was not colluding with Russia. He's not a Russian spy. But they dragged the thing on for three years because they wanted to, and they had the media backing them with the constant, you know, the bulletins, the... You know, the, the bombshell. You know, this is it. Come, this is the one. This is it. We've got the goods. And we'd hear of these. We, we, we would never hear the end of these long and sonorous reports from all these experts that they would trot out. And 
this is what happens when he does this and when he goes here and and this is who's going to take over and this is what they'll do and i mean this was a, a we got a daily dose of that yeah, we got but, it on, and look look how it ended well, the point is that now it's coming out that they didn't know and that, um, that that something like 30 of these guys scrubbed their telephones, their government yeah. property, which, by the way, if you and I had done that, we'd be, we'd be in the big house right now. Oh, yeah. And, and they, they basically, including this Weisberg, who was a real snake, and they just, uh, they actually, it's just what, what Hillary did. I mean, they turned in their government-owned cell phones and smartphones you know, scrubbed. They they basically deleted everything. What were they deleting? I mean, it's it's just becoming obvious that that was a corrupt thing. And then, of course, you then had the perfect phone call conspiracy. So I I think my point here is that um, they they're willing to do this. They will do anything they have to do to stop Trump, just like they stopped um, John F. Kennedy. I mean, I don't even compare, but God forbid. But you know, this is serious business. They don't want to have him in that office. They don't like the fact they don't like what he's doing politically. They don't like the fact that he's not a globalist. You know, they don't like the fact that he's challenging their order. I mean, peace is breaking out in the Middle East. They don't like that because the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the military industrial complex, as President Eisenhower called it on his last day in office, they want wars. They're already talking about war. The main advisor to Biden, this guy Blinken, I think his name's Herbert Blinken or something. So he's former national security advisor to Obama. He's talked recently about how we need to go to war again in Syria. He said we need to still go there because we still have leverage. Why? No one says. They want to have perpetual war. That's been the American policy by the establishment since before World War II. I mean, it goes back to World War I, but this is what they want. And and Trump is de-escalating. He's ending foreign wars. He's draw, pulling back military personnel from, from all fronts. He's uh, forcing NATO to pay for their own way. You know, he's not, he, maybe he might toss a bomb here and there, but for the most part, he has kept us out of wars. He's done what the left That's used right. to like. You know, remember de-escalate? Who is it, Marvin Gaye? Remember that song, yeah. right? I mean, right? We, we want to de-escalate. That used to be a big term on the left. Now it's like, you know, somehow there's something very suspicious. And he just signs a peace treaty, gets a peace treaty signed between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. This would have been big news for weeks. And they're downplaying it. Oh, no, pay no attention. It's not really happening. All right, well, let me take away some of the pain here. Uh, you mentioned a litany of various attacks on Trump, but what you didn't mention was how did they all turn out? They were ineffective. And I think the crowning achievement of the Mueller situation was when he went to testify in front of Congress and was revealed to be a dementia victim himself. Yes, and, right. and in fact, now it's coming out that they sort of knew that uh, when it and started. that he lied. He lied when he said that he he was he's a disgruntled employee, you know, job seeker. Yeah. He was wanted to go back to the FBI and was not was not um, appointed by Trump, and he he lied saying that he didn't know this. He didn't know that Trump had offered him when when in fact it's come out that he did know. 
So that's perjury. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So so they they've tried everything, and nothing works. So they're going to try another thing, and that's not going to work either. Uh, but I, I, I think after this all transpires, the biggest problem is going to be with the media. Okay, I mean, how long can you predict the end of the world and the world doesn't end before you start losing credibility? I mean, at, at what point? Because uh, the public, it doesn't take much. I wanted to talk later about the cuties situation, but, yes, it, that's... It, you know, public opinion is very fickle. And if you decide that 90% of what you're reading in the Washington Post is garbage, why subscribe? Well, in my case, because the Washington Times doesn't have very good sports coverage, but then that gets down the road to who cares about sports anymore. But that, you know. Uh, exactly. So, uh, Ratings are way down. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think it's just all self-inflicted. They, they, they keep trying to hurt him uh, with COVID and see the riots were going to hurt him somehow. But I think what's occurring is that the Biden campaign seems to be managed by a 25 year old Twitter users who really think that that's reality. Uh, and we don't have to actually engage people and we don't have to put this uh, poor sap out there talking to anybody on a whistle stop tour or whatever the modern mm -hmm. version of that is. Instead, we'll just keep him hidden, have him read scripted answers to scripted questions. And as an aside, what do you think about that teleprompter business? Oh, you know, it, to my way of thinking, this is a real exposure on the part of the media. And they don't care. The fact is that this is, you know, you have a situation with Anderson Cooper, probably with everyone else, where they obviously were handed questions in advance. They handed the Biden people the questions in advance in order. The Biden people then crafted answers. They then put those answers up in a teleprompter. In and order. then they what? In order. In order. That's right. And then they sent Biden out. And then Anderson Cooper sat there and very carefully asked him each question like you'd ask a one year old kid. You know, like it's just like you're like in, in nursery school. And uh, Biden couldn't even do that. I mean, he was like flubbing it because the, the, apparently there was one moment where the teleprompter was too slow and he's looking down, you know, waiting for the script to come up. And, uh, and then he held up a, a, a he was as, as a prop. I think he held up a portrait of himself with, with one of his sons or with a family member and reflected in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in the plexiglass or the glass covering of the portrait was the teleprompter. Did you see that? Yeah, well, that's what I was referring to. But yeah. uh, here was the point I wanted to make. Anybody who's involved with video production knows that you have to be extremely careful of reflective surfaces. I could name three <laughs> or four movies where you can see the crew in a mirror in right. some pivotal scene in, in the movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and this is, you go to the, someone who's been in film school for one day knows well they yeah. screwed up it's one of those moments it's like this is a you know the curtain was lifted for two seconds and that's yeah. all you needed it was it was a complete screw up and um you know i would think that this would be a scandal but nothing is being done or said the fact that the media would do this it's it's so outrageous i mean this is completely the opposite of what the media is supposed to be 
and what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to bring somebody in and, and, and knock them around and ask tough questions and try to find out who they are and what they oh, think. that's only Trump. Yeah, that's well, Trump. sure. And Trump goes out there and, and he does this. And he sometimes doesn't look great, but he does it. And he does it every day. And then they, they'll extract something out of context, you know, one little thing, and they'll magnify it. I know how this works. I know how it worked when I ran for office. This is what they do. They'll, you know, you, you go into a hostile environment you know, like a like an editorial board meeting in a newspaper where they're not friendly, and they're gonna you, you sit there. You don't even want to take a breath, or you know, you almost don't want to sigh, or you want you know move. You know, you might might something might be out of place, and it gets magnified, and they're gonna run the front page with that, and so that's what they do with Trump. I don't think that's working for them because I think that it, it's it's you know Trump is out there. He's he's thundering along. He's great. You know, and he's he's got energy and he's got drive and he's got momentum. So I don't think that's working for them. So they think they're going to trap him in some little thing. But and that the fact they do that, that's that's expected. I mean, I get that. That's how it works. They should be doing it to both sides, actually. But the thing that's outrageous is this Biden thing where they they, they give him they prop him up like a stuffed doll and they do a little tape recorder and they give him fed questions. That's real malpractice. I mean, that's not what they're supposed to do. Okay, that's... But, but that's what I'm saying. This is the analogy to cuties. Uh, yeah. At some point, you become so ideological that you're willing to sacrifice the entire thing. For well, they for, don't. They don't seem to care about, position. and they don't care about ratings or money because, first of all, they have all the ratings. They've got all the money. They don't. I mean, the same thing with the, with the uh, the NFL and and the rest of them. They don't seem to care. They're going to do this thing. And I think the way to answer your question earlier about, you know, you know, whether or not they're going to maintain credibility. I don't think they care right now because they're on the home stretch. You know, after the election day, then they'll rebuild their credibility. They'll have plenty of time because they'll just suffer. They'll just bite the bullet and get through the next five weeks being a propaganda machine and pumping out propaganda and not caring. And then, you know, they still have a monopolistic, or they think they do, which they don't, but they, between their the big networks and, the, and all the media is owned now by, I think, five, five or six players. I think it's right. maybe down to three. Uh, and, and, and the fact that uh, the big guys in the social media, like, like Google and Facebook and Twitter, are censoring now, and they're in cahoots. They just figured they could ride it out. They'll, they'll run down the clock after the election, win or lose. They'll rebuild their credibility then. I mean, the Boston Globe does this every election. I mean, it's amazing. You know, they'll, they, hold, they withhold the bad news that might hurt their candidate until the day. Of, they usually wait a week, you know, just to make it look better after the election. And then they release the bad news. If we had known that before the election, it might have affected things. In other words, this is how they roll. This is how the establishment rolls. They don't care. Okay, but but I think there's other factors in play here. What if people decide they don't need this because there are alternatives? Um, well, but the, what are the alternatives? The alternatives are social media, and it's being censored. People are being pulled off the uh, air. People are being shadow banned. Okay, well, let me give you the example of Citizen Free Press. Okay which came out of nowhere and now is the second biggest conservative site. Uh, this is not a perfect analogy, but Drudge went down a drain for whatever Rightfully. reason. Oh, uh, totally. We know why. 
He's a complete hack. Yeah, okay, but, but here's the point, that suddenly, out of nowhere, this platform was created by one guy, and I just think there's a tipping point involved. The ratings in the NFL, at least the Sunday night game, were 28% down, mm -hmm. all right? Now, yeah. they can laugh that off. What if the following week, it's 40% down? At what point do they stop laughing about it? That I, I think that what they're going to do is after the election day, they're just – yeah, you know, they're just as I say, they're they're sitting on their their you know their assets right now, waiting for election day. After election day, then they'll clean house. Then they'll well, what get do you rid mean of, clean house. You mean you mean take black lives matter? Yeah, they'll, they'll throw it all out. Yeah, courts? yep, they'll throw it out and they'll they'll just get rid of it then. But not now. Right now it's election time. You know this is uh, they're all gonna like just ride ride it out. I think afterwards, the, win or lose. I think afterwards, this whole rotten edifice is going to be swept away well, okay into the here's rubbish. the thing with the nfl all right at what point does somebody realize that he doesn't want to sit down and waste three and a half hours of his life watching a game that has about 15 to 16 minutes of action in it when if he just cares about the scores he can get it the next day or immediately afterwards online um how close do, are you to that point? You know, I think they were losing traction anyways. Yeah. I mean, even the past two or three years, it's become, as you said, it's become so commercialized and so, and, you know, there are other ways to get sports without, without them. Um, so, yeah, maybe they, maybe they are going the way of the dodo bird. I don't know. Well, I mean, okay. my, my point, and I wrote to a couple of sports writers at the Washington Post, the, for the last few years, the NFL product was borderline unwatchable. Now, with all the SJW stuff, it is unwatchable. And it's not being watched. Yeah. <laughs> People okay. tuned in for like three seconds, apparently. Yeah. So, as, you know, they can laugh that off. Mm -hmm. But all that has to happen are one or two big advertisers yep. decide to pull the money and well, right now, I think the advertisers are afraid to do that because they don't want to be seen as not politically correct. I mean, corporations are jellyfish. I mean, they don't, you know, they're just, they don't, do you think they want to get boycotts? You know, they want to get like, uh, you know, that kind of attention. I mean, they, they, they'll get threats. They'll have their product. They don't want to be political. So they're, they're, they're willing to bite the bullet to a certain extent. Well, you know who the biggest sponsor of the NFL is, is Verizon. Okay. Are you going to boycott Verizon? Go to Sprint. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they don't want to, they don't, you know, the companies are, are, are cowardly. They don't want to make any, they don't want to take political positions. But, it, but in, in this case, it's not political. Okay. If you're Verizon, you're spending, well, it will God be knows, seen it. God knows how many millions of dollars. Yeah. But it'll be seen as political. If Verizon decides to drop, drop out of that. Well, they don't have to drop out. They can cut back. They can always nope. make the excuse, well, they you should. know, we're putting a little money here to another place. Right. Um, I don't think it's a given that uh, people have to sponsor sports. Indeed, uh, you may have been surprised to hear the Verizon the biggest sponsor because a number of years ago, it was beer companies and car companies. They've and they, and of, they've cut back. Yeah, they've silently kind of moved back. 
uh, not completely. You still see their commercials, but every damn commercial used to be a beer commercial. You're right. Now that I think of it, I mean, Anheuser-Busch, right? Constantly, yeah. sure. Yeah, so it, um, you know, and yeah. Verizon, of course, has a special deal because <laughs> uh, they provide communication services and so on, but when you total up the dollars, they're at the top. So everything can change. And so what's the tie-in between this and the cuties conspiracy? Okay, well, here's the, the tie-in that I'm seeing is at some point, ideology takes over, okay? Netflix keeps doubling down on this, despite the fact that they lost $9 billion in stock value in one day over this. Um, they, well, I mean, and, and of course, the responses were ridiculous, okay? Their response was, well, you have to watch it. Well, no, there's one point something million people canceled their subscription, so don't tell them to watch it. Is that right? That's incredible. No, that was, oh, it's unreal. And, um, and that's one of the fastest growing companies in the world right now. They, they became, they've yeah. become so arrogant that they just think they can do this, I guess. Well, they paid $4 million for this French film. And maybe somebody, I don't even think they thought on the negative side, well, we'll get all the, the pedos to watch it. I think that they didn't really think about it very much. And they could always hide behind the fact that the director is black, whatever. But then her defense of it was so absurd. Suddenly, out of whole cloth, she creates this thing. Well, you see, this was really a, uh, a protest over how children are being exploited. Oh, yeah, you're right. Exploit children to demonstrate that they were being exploited. Yeah, that, Uh, that, that's, I mean, I can't, that's classic. That's almost like a a communist thing. It's a Marxist thing. I mean, we're against, uh, you know, pedophilia, which is why we're showing pedophilia on on a television program so we can prove we're against it. I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, that was uh, obviously pretty thin gruel, as they say. Uh, So then they tried, well, you know, uh, since this woman is black, if you don't like the movie, you're racist. You don't like black people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that didn't play very well. Because there's plenty of black people that have come out against it. Now, what's the real agenda there? Why are they running this thing? Um, there's a certain part of the artist mentality where you want to push the envelope. But as you well know, the movie industry from day one, well, no, 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 not day one, not Thomas Edison, but when it became a commercial industry with what we call Hollywood, from the jump, Mm -hmm. it was infiltrated by homosexuals and pedophiles from the beginning. So this is part of the culture. And I think nothing says it better than going on Rotten Tomatoes and seeing that the critics rating is like 88% and the consumer rating is 3%. Well, I mean, it, it's. Uh, I think you've got the right background there. I mean, it's sort of in the agenda of Alfred Kinsey, right? The uh, sexologist yeah. who published the, um, you know, the two great classic books on um, human on American uh, human sexuality, and um, who himself was a very strange guy. Let's just put it that way. I mean, um, and yet he was he was all made to look like middle American, you know, white bread, you know, scientist. I mean, he was a veterinarian. Um, and, uh, 
you know, put on the cover of Time magazine and the Rockefellers were pouring money into his his research where he was diddling three three week old babies and interviewing <laughs> prostitutes and you know you know and uh, you know criminals of all sorts and, and pre- presenting them as the average American view on sex. And uh, I mean the idea was to undermine American sexual mores. It's that simple. I mean it's a cultural thing and they believe they, they, they this is a thrill for them. They they think there's some virtue to this to undermine the the American ideal of um, you know the monogamous family and uh, you know all of that. I mean, I think that they they were saying, "Oh, this is um, old fashioned." You know, you're 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 something mentally wrong with you if you if you believe that you're a fascist. Yeah, and well, um, it's, it's not playing out too well because <laughs> you can always tell by these people. Well, you tell by anybody if they if they keep going to the well too many times. All right. So what you hear about the director of Cuties is she won a directing award at the Sundance Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Of course, what they don't include is that the guy who headed up the Sundance Film Festival was indicted for in, uh, inappropriate sexual advances to a nine-year-old uh, girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well. So, um, but, it, it, you know, it's funny. I mean, the, the changing topics here. Anytime somebody harps on something, it's the old Shakespeare line, um, he thinks he does protest too much. Yes. Every thinks... time you saw the name uh, Tony Fauci, there'd be an epigram afterwards saying, the country's foremost infectious disease expert. Mm. And then you find out, actually, he isn't. He's got no background in it. Uh, he's a complete fraud. So, it, you know, and, and what got me thinking about it was, why do they have to keep telling me this? You know, it really bothers me even speaking of Fauci now that we're on that topic. And this is maybe a minor thing, but he uh, just gave an interview, I think a week ago, where he mentioned that he personally takes extra vitamin C and vitamin D, right, to help stay healthy. And maybe he might have thought to mention this last March, right? Most Americans don't know this. I mean, you and I know it, but, you know, most average people... You know, and they're looking to this eminent expert, somebody who's being propped up as a, you know, they're now talking about nominating him for a Nobel Prize. I mean, the left is anyways. And, you know, and yet he just simply, I guess it must have slipped his mind, you know, to, to talk about this virus in that way. Well, to it's talk so about the, It is. I mean, to talk about reasonable things one can do, reasonable precautions one he can take. He had a public forum for weeks where he basically didn't say a damn thing of, of substance. And what are people watching for? Well, what can I do to protect myself and my family? Exactly. And I'm thinking, when is the guy going to mention vitamin C, D, and zinc? That's right. Exactly. Which he never did until no. now. No, no. He, uh, okay. So what happened was he's just not very good. Uh, and uh, we just go back to this deep state thing. He's the third, I believe, highest paid federal employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on what? Uh, based on as he's been a hack, he's been in there for thirty years. Yeah, I mean, ba- based on as I tell people, he was the only guy in 1984 at the agency who was dumb enough to embrace the tar baby of AIDS, and he came through it somehow, and there he is. So, not necessarily just picking on him, but right. it's it just this this recurring theme that anytime people hammer something at you beyond reason, there's something wrong with it. 
No, I think that, it, I, as you say, it's a great Shakespearean line. The things the lady doth protest too much. It's, right. uh, you know, we're being fed this line. And uh, I think that also, going back to cuties, I think that applies to that as well. There is an agenda in this country, I would suggest, that wants to mainstream pedophilia. Yes. Um, I, I talked about this um, with Tim Constantine. He's a radio talk show host in Washington, really, really smart guy. Um, I used to listen to him when he was on in Boston, but they removed the station. And I had him on my show the other day, and he was great. And he said to me, I mean, he said on his program years ago, he predicts that pedophilia will be mainstreamed within the next three to five years. And uh, this was about a year ago he said this. And at the time, I was like astonished. I'm like, really? I mean, I looked into it. And sure enough, there are already, you know, conventions. There was one up in Montreal. We have all these eminent thinkers and, you know, so-called medical people getting together to have a conference on what, what pedophilia is. And the, the, the party line on it is going to be that um, pedophilia is going to be called an orientation, quote, unquote. Yes. rather than what it actually is, which is a perversion. And once you call something an orientation, you're basically saying that the person who's the pervert who is involved in it, they can't help themselves because, after all, they have an orientation. They're not making a, a, a moral judgment, and we shouldn't make a moral judgment over someone's, quote, orientation. So therefore, it, it's, it's the wedge. It's the way they're going to get in the door. And now you have California lowering the age of consent for children involved with sexual situations and lowering the voting age for children. Now they want to have 16-year-olds vote. Right. So this is part, you know, that's kind of the uh, California, which is actually typical, particularly San Francisco in this case, is being used as the laboratory for this to, to begin this process. And Cuties is all about that, which is why they don't care. They're willing to tough it out. Netflix, these people, the, 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 the top, you know, 1% as, he, as Occupy Wall Street used to say, they're all down with this. They're all part of it. They all want to, you know, to pull this thing off. They know it's not going to happen overnight. They know it's going to be controversial, but they're willing to tough it out. Not to use an analogy, but quite frankly, this is the way gay marriage was done. I don't want to get into a talk about whether or not that's worked. That's fine. People seem to be okay with it, but... The point is, at the time it was said, well, this is the, uh, you know, the nose under the camel's tent. I mean, the camp, you know, the, this is the beginning, and they're going to lift it up and open it up to everything else. And that's exactly what's happening. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, where, as uh, your viewers may not know this, the whole sexual revolution of the 60s originally was promoted by homosexual activists because the idea was they didn't really care about heterosexual uh, promiscuity. They were trying to, as you say, get the, the nose under the tent to expand into other uh, activities and, and just lower everyone's guard to the point where uh, by 1969 and Stonewall, this gradually became, uh, was on the road to becoming normalized. So that's exactly right. what's going to happen with pedophilia. With pedophilia. And I, look, I don't think, I think it's a little bit bigger than that. I don't think it's just gay activist groups. I think it, it, was, it was Sigmund Freud. It was the psychiatric establishment, um, which basically was into this concept of polymorphous perversity as an ultimate virtue. 
anything goes. Whatever you do with whomever, however, is good. And that there's no moral content associated with it. And to think that there is some sort of a moral aspect to sexual relations is an example of someone who has a psychosis. Well, that was all the ivory tower theory. But the people well, that, that, that's yeah, but that was the beginning of it, and, and certainly yeah. the communist movement did this. I mean, yeah. in, in the Bolshevik Revolution, you had Alexandra Kolontai, uh, who was Lenin's lover. She talked about unwinged eros versus winged eros, and that unwinged eros was the virtue. In other words, sex should be no different than drink a glass of water. It doesn't have any, uh, to, to put any kind of a, an, a moral content to it, even a sacred content to it, or, or an emotional content to it, like, like love or like attachment, that was a bourgeois false affectation. That's what made people unequal. And we all had to have absolute equality. And the way to do that was to have complete and total open sex with anyone you want. Uh, and, and that it would have no uh, connection. So, you know, it's an agenda that, that dovetails with um, the, the communist and with the uh, utopian idea of transforming human nature, of, of making a new kind of a man and woman. Uh, into something other than who we are, something that actually comports with nature. And that uh, it's, I don't blame just gay people. I think it's a bigger thing. I think it's Wilhelm Reich, the, uh, the German uh, communist psychologist, uh, was the father of a lot of this, these ideas. Freud himself, you know, um, this, this is really, I, I think, w where this comes down. It's a political agenda. It's an agenda to sexualize all of us and to reduce our will to resist and our will to be sovereign citizens. We become weak. You know, I mean, the whole pornography thing is all about this. A billion dollar industry and it's available everywhere. You just can, any kid can get it online. You know, it's becoming, you know, it's in all, you, you know, you go outside. I remember um, just a quick antidote here. Uh, the, um, when, um, when sex education was introduced uh, into um, a person whom I know's elementary school, um, I attended the um, introduction, and there was a woman there from Planned Parenthood who, and they, they devise a lot of the, the school sex education. Right. And she was a very strange woman, too, a lot of, like, facial tics, you know, like, very weird. And she says, you know, well, you know, there's sex everywhere. Your child goes outside. There's sex on the billboards. There's sex on the television. There's sex on their smartphones. There's sex here. There's sex there. So why not put it in schools? <laughs> you know, in other, in, 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 so in other words, it's an agenda, basically, to sexualize children at an early age um, and to sexualize all of us so that we don't have we lose our sense of values and we lose our sense of proportion and our sense of thinking clearly and independently. You know, it's uh, everything becomes uh, the pleasure principle. It's just the 1960s sex re uh, sexual revolution. Whatever feels good is good. Doesn't matter the consequence. Doesn't matter how it might affect you in the bigger picture or society. If, you know, it, it goes back to the ancient Greeks, the, the ancient uh, uh, Epicureans, the, um, you know, what the Talmud very derogatorily calls the Epicuros. Hmm. The Epicurean movement was a movement to, that said there's no such thing as a past. There's no such thing as a future. Everything is happening in real time. And whatever feels good is the highest virtue.
that's what this is. It's an Epicurean movement. Perhaps the one person that I think embodies this in modern times more than anyone else it would be none other than former President Bill Clinton. But anyway, so. Well, but look at him now. I mean, <laughs> if you saw that latest meltdown that Hillary Clinton had in, in an interview, and he's sitting in the background uh, looking like a sad sack because, uh, I mean, look at what's happened to him in the past couple of years. He's been completely me tooed out. He is likely to be even more exposed in this Epstein business. Uh, no, they were they were knocked off of their they they were doing like a joint tour, remember Bill the Bill and yeah. Hillary tour, they had a they had to pull the plug in that because people, some guy got up and he started screaming at them. He goes, "What about Epstein? How many times you go to Lolita Island? You know, <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Hillary? How many times you go?" And they couldn't. And they, they so Clinton they they kept talking. Well, the economic. It, it just didn't work. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is on YouTube. You can see this. And so they had to pull the plug on that. <laughs> well, that's, so, that's the beauty of all this video. Exactly. You and that's why they're trying to censor it. Well, they, they're having a hard time. Because every, they are. A new video platform uh, springs up. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't even know how many there are now. I mean, the bit shoot came along. But now there is there is there is some competition. That's yeah. true. There's uh, BitChute. There's there's uh, there's Gab. There's uh, and now Twitter has Parler comp competing. I don't know if yeah. you look at Parler. Um, you know there are some. I mean these things are still pretty small, but they're out there and they are beginning to pick up some steam. So, you know, they, they, you know it's it's natural that this would happen. They can't control everything, and. Um, in a sense, there's some hope that we might end up with some freedom and some balance. Um, I just hope that I just don't think it's going to be in time for this election. And I think they're going right now. They're just going whole hog. I mean, they got the the pedal to the metal, whatever it takes to to stop Trump. Well, but I mean, it's, but it's aren't a you encouraged by the fact that whatever they try doesn't work. Well, yeah, but they don't care. I mean, right now they can. Who knows what they're going to do? They're going to tighten the screws. They'll worry about the consequence afterwards. Right now, the, the cars are speeding up 100 miles an hour. They don't care. They're going to worry about consequences after the election day. Then they'll clean up the, then they'll pick up the debris. <laughs> then well, they'll I'm pick up so the pieces. I'm not about the consequences, but if you, you know, they've tried all these tactics. So far, nothing is stuck. So they just keep going and going and going. Uh, at what point uh, does one of these idiots on CNN realize that they may want to have a career after November 4th. Oh, they think they're going to all get taken care of. You know, they as long as they don't step over the line to such an extent like Dan Rather did and get fired. I mean, that's, you know, that they, they, you have to, it's a fine line, but I, I don't think, you think Anderson Cooper cares? I mean, or, or any of these, or, or Lester Holt. But Dan no, Rather don't. got fired and he was one of the top guys. He did, but the thing is, he went just too far with that business of fabricating a story. Yeah. against George W. Bush. That was even too much for the for the liberal establishment. I mean to outright do that, to get caught like that, that was it hurt the credibility too much. It was more than he got caught though. So he'd been doing it for years. Yeah, I mean it, it Oh yeah, no question. But no, but he finally he finally stepped it, in it. The thing that I stood for him, as you may remember, was they proved very, very easily the memo was forged because the particular font and kerning and so on 
was simply not available in the era when this was supposed to have been written. Yeah. Uh, so, but by definition, the forgery that was that. And oh yeah, no, he was. It was like the blue dress. Yeah. I mean, he had been caught, and that there was no way around it. So they tossed him under the bus. Yeah. And that, but I think that the you know he would have been continuing to crank along if if that hadn't happened. The same thing. Look at look at Brian Williams, right? Making up stories left and right. He's back. He's still doing it. Still making it up too. You know, I mean, it's uh, they'll just keep going because they've got the, it's the establishment. They've got the big money. They've got the, as I said, the the, the media has 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 boiled down to I think, four or five owners, all the same, all left wing, all you know, they 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 basically are all birds of the same feather, and they've just uh, you know, these guys just assume that they're going to be okay. Um, as long as they don't grab anybody, like um, you know, like in the Me Too way, yeah. then they'll then they'll be fine, you know. And then, so that's that's what I think. Well, but yeah, but speaking of that Me Too, there, there's some big guys that went down. Yeah, they did, including movie. yeah, and including uh, Al Franken, whom they're still yeah. complaining about, but he'll never come back. So it, it but that was the point. I mean, you never know when something like that is going to happen. Moonbees was on top of the world. Oh yeah, well those, like yeah. that. He was he was out. Well, he um, shouldn't have been uh, grabbing. Um, you know, he knew what he did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> these guys are drunk with power. I'm just saying, as long as they keep keep their nose clean in that department, they you know they can lie all they want, and they know they'll get away with it. Is the bottom line? Yeah, well, they can't get so, caught. That's but, right. Uh, some of them aren't smart enough to avoid getting caught. So, well, yeah, they're all forewarned now. So anyway, Mike, but um, just to uh, to wrap it up, I mean, again, my big concern right now is the possibility of a coup d'etat. I think it's a very serious business. I think that it's something that we all have to be very vigilant about. They'll do anything they can to take back the White House. And I think that it's certainly not at all beneath them. They They dislike Trump, not so much personally, even though they do despise him, but because they dislike the policies that he has implemented and they're okay, incredible. But, but policies. Tell me this. Tell me this. If they're so intent on getting rid of Trump, why did they put up such a rotten candidate? Well, I mean, I, I think they didn't want to have a communist like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. Um, and they just, they, they didn't have much of a pool to draw from. Well, I, so, you know, I, I find that sort of hard to believe in that. They didn't, my take is they didn't try that hard, okay? Tulsi Gabbard was, was semi-credible, all right? She's a woman. I mean, God forbid she's white. Uh, but Well, she was a loose cannon on the deck, though. I mean, she was not easily bit. controlled. They want to have the usual, you know, mug wump, you know, like an Obama type, a lot of, lot of skeletons in the closet, very easy to control, you know, very willing to play ball in order to get power. You know the typical liberal um, Manchurian candidate, and um, I mean, I don't think any of them really fit that bill. And the rest of them were too far left, openly, and I don't think Americans would have gone for that at all. But you don't Nobody think would... they could have found some obscure state senator uh, uh, in, in? I think Miami they tried. I, I think they tried with Budagag. Yeah. Right. He stood for nothing. He was gay, which helped, but yet very kind of middle of the road. Very milk toast, 
didn't say anything. And his own city was in bad shape. Right. But the thing is, it just didn't, you know, he was, I think there was a lot riding on him as the next great, he was almost like an Obama-like figure in a way. Almost. But they couldn't pull the trick off. I mean, I think that Obama was a one-trick pony in that way. I don't think they could get do that one again. Not not, in the, not for another generation. So, so what you're saying is, if I understand you, that they really did try, but oh, yeah. try as they might, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, I think they auditioned a few people. Bloomberg would have, but it was such a flop during the debates. He was so obviously incompetent. Yeah, but he was he's spending a hundred million dollars to try to stop Trump in Florida. I mean, he spent I think what is it, almost a half a billion dollars on himself. The media loved it. They made a ton of money from that. Oh, yeah. But, um, and I, but he just didn't make it. I mean, ultimately, somebody has to have some charisma. They have to have some ability to connect. Biden doesn't, but at least uh, it was sort of a process of elimination. And they certainly, I don't think they wanted, I don't think anybody in this country can stomach the idea of Hillary coming back. Well, I, I, I think the, the, the thing that the, I guess the people knew how Bloomberg made his money. Uh, he was the luckiest man in the world. They had the how, Bloomberg. How did terminal. he make his money? Uh, in his case, they had the Bloomberg terminal, which uh, he and other people put together, and all they did was charge an unbelievably extortionate amount for that. Every terminal was twenty-seven thousand dollars, I think, and there were God knows how many of these installed. So. Uh, yeah, that's what he did. He, and, he hit gold. Yeah, and somehow no one wanted to compete with him, and no one wanted to. I mean, that was always a mystery to me. Wait a minute, if mm. this is worth so much money, he didn't hold any particular patents or. Well, how did any of these people? I mean, this is an interesting subject. How did Bill Gates make so much money? I mean, I don't know. I mean, well, with Gates, it was different. Okay, he was, but he was propped up a little bit. But with Gates. Um, the people, I don't know how far you back you go back with computers, but back in the day when this was all happening, if you talked about microcomputers, you were an idiot, okay? Right. And IBM's idea was, okay, little man, uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll let you write the software for our, our microcomputer and uh, have a nice day. Okay, so they dismiss it, and I knew people in the industry at the time that said that was all a joke. Nothing was going to come of it. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so he, and, you know, you got to give him this. He went into it, and then he was smart enough to acquire products that were just good. The office suite, they, they improved on the stuff they bought. They didn't originate uh, most of that. Right. So he and the price was right. They didn't try to rip people off like Adobe. And to Adobe's credit now, it's all on subscription. So it isn't ridiculously expensive anymore. But, you know, there was some innovation there. And there was probably some innovation with Bloomberg. But the difference is Bill Gates didn't didn't charge, you know, $3 million for each package mm-hmm. of office that you bought. Well, the, the, the geniusness of that was he made it available for your average Joe. You yeah. know, he just, it was like getting a telephone. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, Mike. To him now, I mean, that's another story. Well, that's a whole. What he's into now is very weird. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Mike. So yeah, the election is uh, is uh, something that we all all ought to be vigilant about because democracy, in the broad sense, in other words, individual freedom, doesn't grow on trees. 
You have to know about it. You have to exercise it. You have to operate under it. You have to guard it. It doesn't just happen out of the blue, right? You know, it doesn't just mm -hmm. knock on your door and say, hey, come on out. You're free. You have to work to be free. And we have to, the most important institution that, that perpetrates our freedom is our election every two years and every four years in the case of presidents. So we have to be careful whether you, who, whichever candidate you like, whether you like Biden or, or Trump, you have to be careful to make sure that the election has integrity, that you have the principle of one man, one vote, that there's not massive election fraud. If you think there isn't massive election fraud or potential for that, then, you, then, then take a look within and ask yourself how political you are to the degree that you just want your guy to win. Because there is, and there already has been, and it's a big problem. And it's one that's going to probably very well may tip the scales for, the, for Biden's side here. But only if it's close. There's right. No well, that's right. Fraud is no, that's, what they, that's how it always works. It's a, yeah. it's a machine that functions in a close election. If it's a matter of maybe 10, 15,000 votes, that's when voter fraud does kick in. Right. They just found in New Jersey. I mean, what is it? They... They, they uncovered, what was it, 2,000 ballots that had been locked in somebody's closet for like, you know, since the last election have now come out, right? I mean, in New Jersey is a perfect example. It's happening. You know, there's example after example all over the country. Well, there's nothing new. That's how Lyndon Johnson entered politics. That's right. That's how a lot of people, both liberal and, by the way, Democrat and Republican, doesn't matter. Vote if there's... There's, of course, there's going to be attempts at fraud. I mean, you, you have power. You've got, you know, advancement. Why wouldn't there be corruption? I mean, it's like any other part of life, right? I mean, there's, you know, people go into business and they, they commit fraud. They embezzle money or they, yeah. you know, they do stuff. That's just the way of the, that's the dark side of humanity. We all, people attempted to commit fraud to get unfair advantage if, they, if they're seeking something. You know, and there's a certain type of person or organization that will take advantage because there's a lot at stake and they'll justify it. I mean, look at the Clintons. We don't need to go there. But yeah. the point is that, you know, you're going to have uh, fraud and you're going to have corruption wherever you have something that's desirable. And power is the ultimate desire. Sure. And that uh, such fraud will be committed in the name of doing good, because they really believe that they have to do this. Trump is so evil. So they look the other way. They, 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 they subsume their own sense of morality in the, in the work of a greater cause. And in this case, that greater cause is stopping Trump. So you have good people who hop on or who are willing to suspend credulity, if you will, look the other way in order to achieve this goal. There's a lot of dynamic here that would lead to that. A lot of dynamic. And I think that it's something that certainly on our side we have to be very vigilant about, but we also have to reach out to the other side who may not be conscious of this and ask them if that's what they want to see in this country. You know, do we want to become like a, a dictatorship, a banana republic? Is that good for our future? Is that good for our way of life? Anyway, so Mike, we're, what's your latest column? Okay, we were talking about... Uh current one is uh, COVID-19 and the fall of the experts, which were just sort of a, <laughs> a summary of uh, a few of the ridiculous things that went on, mostly involved, well, not mo there, there are three or four anecdotes, but the one that I start out with is the 
massive number of false positives. And oh, indeed, yeah. in your very state of Massachusetts, uh, there was a, a little scandal about uh, eight or nine hundred of these tests, and the majority of which were false positives. Uh, well, I mean, even the even the New York Times has has acknowledged. The that, New York Times introduced the story. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they, maybe they need to retain some credibility. Whatever reason, they did do a story with, even though they buried it in the story, they did show how they're the 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 way they're doing these tests are. You know, they're magnifying even the slightest hint of COVID, which ordinarily would not be seen as as viral. Well, here's the, um, the conspiracy theory aspect of it is very simple. Uh, this is based on uh, polymerase chain reaction, which is a technique that uh, the late Kerry uh, Mullis developed that your viewers are probably familiar with in the forensic side. But on any DNA analysis, uh, you use this chain reaction to increase the amount of genetic material that you can analyze. So they talk about how many cycles you go through Mm -hmm. And typically, they'll go 25 to 30 cycles on a test like this. But some genius, this is not a mistake. Someone decided to up it to 40 to 45 cycles. Yeah. So now you're magnifying and getting junk. Uh, what did you think, by the way? Did you see that vir that Chinese virologist on with Tucker oh, yeah. Carlson? Well, yeah. What's the deal with that? I mean, basically, she says that it was the whole thing was created in the Wuhan lab and deliberately released by China. Well, there was, there's little doubt that it was created. The thing you're never going to be able to prove is whether it was deliberately released or just another one of their many accidents. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Uh, it, was, right. it was created, and it had elements in it that are just not natural to be in a, a You know, she made the point that it's not possible for a virus like this to hop from bats to people. That has to be done. That has to somehow be manufactured. Well, the only time, as we discussed weeks ago, the only time viruses are dangerous is when they do jump species, uh, which can only occur under pretty bad conditions. Right. But uh, uh, there were, I mean, I wrote a few weeks ago about uh, some people that were working in the uh, guano industry mm -hmm. uh, that got infected. And this virus was taken by the Chinese lab and uh, under uh, the auspices of uh, gain of function, as they call it, they uh, improved it. And and, right, they isolated it. Yeah. So, uh, that is, so there you have it, yeah. So I, I think that this woman has a lot of credibility. The, the problem is that it, it really doesn't matter in the political climate, just like the Middle East doesn't matter. Nothing matters because no. it's Trump. That's right. If it, if it helps Trump, it's, it's, uh, they're referring to these Middle East agreements as, quote, distractions. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, Mike, I mean, listen, uh, uh, thanks for joining me and all. I mean, it's get, I don't want to go too long here. Sure. No, so it's because, always fun. Oh, yeah. So um, where can people see the column? Okay, healthnewsdigest.com. You should turn that one into a book. Uh, well, it's all free. <laughs> right you could pub publish it on Amazon like I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's been. Successful. I bet that one would sell too. Yeah, I have to pick up some of the uh, some of the highlights. Put it. Put do a compilation of your columns and spin it into a book. That's what I suggest. Yeah. Well, 
There's plenty of them out there. There's about 1,500. Yeah, but you have a very you have a very good handle on things. I mean, I think uh, well, it would, well, it would do you. well. So, All right, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. See you next time. All right.